Today I want to start reading to you a book that I wrote in 2002, The Path to Happiness and Wealth. I was fortunate and lucky enough to have this book named as the Personal Finance Book of the Month by the Washington Post. I still think the book's good and contains a lot of valuable insights, but listen to it for yourself. I want you to learn how to enjoy money and life all at the same time. We'll go through this chapter by chapter, and today we'll start with chapter one. But the reason I wrote this book is because over the many years of helping people, I've observed and learned many things about humans, what makes us tick, our approach to dealing with money, credit, and debt, and the constant repeated mistakes that people make when dealing with money troubles. Hi, Steve Rode, your Get Out of Debt Guy. If you're listening to this podcast, you probably want to learn more about money, credit, and debt, or you're one of the many good people out there with bad debt and you want it to go away. But stick with me. Together, we can make that happen. Either way, I'm here for you, and I believe a better and more financially successful future is ahead. It can be within your grasp. I'd like to ask you for a favor. If you find this or any of my podcasts helpful, please take a moment and leave a review on the podcast platform you're listening on. Your feedback and opinion matter to me. And if I've done a good job, your review helps others to find the podcast as well. And while you're there leaving your review, don't forget to subscribe to the show so that you can be notified when the next episode comes out. Last piece of housekeeping. If you have a question or comment you'd like to hear on an upcoming podcast, you can leave me a voice message at getoutofdebt.org slash message. Or leave me a question for me to answer on my website by going to getoutofdebt.org slash question. Thank you so much for being a great listener and I'm sending you a giant virtual hug in return. And now, on with the podcast. The Path to Happiness and Wealth by Steve Rode with Mike Kidwell. Dedication to Pam and Mandy, Mom and Dad. If I had to distill my life with you down to three words, they would be love and thank you chapter one i got hit in the head with a baseball and i saw it coming in 1990 my wife and i filed bankruptcy we kept the secret for almost 10 years and never talked about it publicly i felt like a failure it was painful and embarrassing and though there were many factors that led up to that event it still causes a deep internal ache to talk about it but we found, as you will, that keeping the secret was worse than being honest about what happened. The first outsider I ever told about my bankruptcy was Mike Kidwell. I met Mike a couple of years after filing bankruptcy, when we both worked at IBM. I feel truly blessed that we met and we were able to share our dreams and goals with each other. One day while we were at work, I felt I had to share my secret with Mike. 
I told him I needed to tell him something and asked him to follow me. We went through three levels of security doors, going deeper into the heart of the building until we were finally in the mainframe room. There were a couple of glass walls through which people could see us talking, but no one could hear us because the noise in the room drowned out our conversation. I'm sure as they saw us standing there, it seemed like something out of a 2001 A Space Odyssey, as Hal, the computer, watches the guys trying to have a private conversation in the pod. I was even worried that someone might be able to read my lips. Oh, I know it sounds ridiculous now. I nervously told Mike my secret, and it didn't faze him a bit. What a guy. Years later, I told others, I just told you, and I didn't even need to. Since it's no longer a matter of public record, you never would have known about my greatest financial failure. But it's also the source of my inner strength. From that pain and financial devastation, I was able to go on to help others. God gave me a doctorate in financial defeat. And as strange as it sounds, I'm grateful for the blessing. God, if you're listening right now, I learned that lesson and I don't need another refresher. Thank you. Once I stopped worrying about how others might judge me, it gave me a freedom in life to stop hiding behind what might be and live in the now. It got tiring carrying around all that baggage. Once my wife and I atoned for our financial sins, it gave us even more comfort and freedom than we'd ever had. It was a huge milestone on the way to internal prosperity. Well, that's how my greatest failure became my greatest gift. I found that about one and a half million people also face bankruptcy every year. Many face uncertainty and stress over financial problems. I was able to pull myself up by my bootstraps and search for a better way to deal with financial troubles so I don't end up making the same mistakes twice. I resolved to help others by sharing what I learned. Now you don't have to hit a brick wall without an airbag like I did. Even now, after a period of prolonged economic prosperity, our country is packed with people who lack confidence, feel lonely, and unhappy. And they're trying to have more and more stuff because they think that the stuff will make them confident, secure, and loved. The prevailing core belief appears to be that material wealth is the key to happiness. Ironically, people who believe that will probably never be able to achieve their dream of being wealthy because they're constantly feeding the emptiness they feel inside with money. They use money as a drug. As one client told me, shopping is my heroin and my discover card is the needle. Their lives are painful and frustrating, so they pledge the money they have and the money they don't have to purchase stuff they believe will dull the pain within. As they do this, the money they actually have slips through their fingers, and it's gone forever. So what is the secret to happiness if it isn't money? Well, look, I'm not the Dalai Lama. I'm just a guy who's been there. I've made mistakes, and I've gained a lot of wisdom along the way. And I've been fortunate to be able to use that wisdom to help a lot of people have more money, appreciate the money they have, and lead better lives. One of the core reasons why their lives became more rewarding is because they now get it, and a lot of it is packed into this book. This book is by myself, Steve Rode, with Mike Kidwell. 
I say I wrote this book with Mike because without Mike's belief in what we do and his support in building the dream, I would not have had the experience or opportunity to share with you the information in this book that can change your life. I encourage you to make this a true reference work for you as you discover your path to the rewarding life you deserve. This book contains the skills necessary for you to begin to live a life of happiness, fulfillment, joy, and wealth. It's what you're looking for, and the basic tools are all right here. So let's dig in. When you decide to dig into your money issues, what you might find is that you've been stuck and confused about what to do. Of course, what makes it more painful is the perception that somehow you were a victim of circumstances beyond your control and took no action to remedy the situation. It's hard for people to be honest with themselves when they're struggling with money issues, or at any other time for that matter. People often feel an almost overwhelming urge to hunt for the perpetrator of their difficulty. There is so much blame being spread around in bad times that people sometimes forget to point at themselves. People don't want their inner critic to begin shouting at them about how stupid they are, and on and on. It's pointless. First, let's take a healthy approach to the situation and put duct tape over your inner critic's mouth. Your inner critic is that voice inside your head that is quick to tell you when you've screwed up. There's a helpful time for your inner critic to speak, and then there's now. I was about 10 years old and visiting relatives in Vermont when I learned an important life lesson. It was one of those perfect summer days when the wind was gently moving. The temperature was perfect. The sky was deep blue and not a bug was in sight. My uncle Ralph asked me if I wanted to go with him to see a local baseball team and being the baseball fan that I am, I jumped at the chance. I think it was a high school team playing that day. We arrived late and grabbed the last two seats and the wooden bleachers. I've always been fond of those old wooden bleachers. The aluminum ones of today, eh, just not as satisfying. I mean, not only are they cold on your tush on a winter night, but they're noisy as heck when people tramp across them. Anyway, we sat about two rows up from the bottom on the third base side. We grabbed the last couple of spots on the side of the bleachers furthest from home plate. We had been there about 10 minutes, just long enough for me to see who was winning, and this blonde head guy got up to bat. I remember the pitch and the swing in slow motion. The pitch was straight down the pipe from my vantage point, and the swing was like you see on the top of a trophy. He took a mighty pass at that ball and almost missed. His timing was just a bit off, but he got a piece of it late in the swing. I heard the swack and watched the ball screaming like a bullet down the third base line. And then... Everything went silent. At that point, it was just me and the ball. Out of my peripheral vision, I saw people leaning back to avoid getting hit. I watched the ball come flying right toward me like a smart bomb. The ball slid past the crowd in the bleachers and hit me square in the side of the head. It hit me so hard it knocked me out of the bleachers face first onto the grass. Thank goodness for the grass. I don't remember whatever happened to that ball, but boy was I upset at it. Though it wasn't the ball's fault. The silly part is, I saw the ball coming, but I was paralyzed. Maybe I didn't know what to do, or maybe I just didn't have enough experience to know what was going to happen. All I do know is, I watched the whole thing. 
I saw the ball coming and it hit me in the head and knocked me out of the stands. The story has a happy ending. I didn't lose consciousness. There wasn't any blood, and I think I got a free popcorn out of the deal. I also got to meet the batter after he ran over to see how I was doing. I think he just wanted to see if he had killed me or not. More than three and a half decades later, I'm sure he's still telling his buddies about the day he clean-knocked this kid out of the stands. I watch many people with money problems and issues behave exactly the way I did that day at the ball game. They're inexperienced, unsure of exactly what to do, and rather than take some evasive action, they get hit square in the head with the problem. Almost all people who are facing financial problems are on a creditor safari. They're on the hunt for a person or persons who got them into a situation they're in right now. The honest answer is that you're probably the one most to blame for what you're going through. Yeah, I don't mean to sound harsh, but unless someone put a gun to your head and made you sign for all that credit, you don't have a leg to stand on. I mean, okay, some people get fooled or even lied to when they sign up for credit. But in my experience, that very rarely occurs. For the most part, life just happens, and we let it happen to us. For many years, I worked in the medical field. One day, I decided to pursue my dream, which was to sell real estate. And I left the medical field. I started my own company, the Great Virginia Land Company. I thought it would be really cool to work outside all day long, walking through the country, enjoying nature, and making a living at the same time. I bought and sold country acreage, and when I sold property, I wanted to make very sure that the people clearly understood the contract they were about to sign, which included financing. At first, I would read the contract with them, explain every detail, and be available to answer any questions they had. Their eyes typically glazed over by the third paragraph. Well, that approach wasn't working, so I made myself available as they read to answer any questions they might have. Nobody asked questions. They just wanted to know where to sign. I even asked them questions to make sure they had read the contract. And most were put off by my inquisition. Finally, they trained me to just hand them the contract. They would look up, and before they could say anything, I'd just say, here, and point to the signature line. They'd look up again, and I'd say, here, and hand them a pen. I used to get excited when I thought someone was going to ask a question about the financing. I wanted to explain it all to them, but finally I was beaten into submission by the public's lack of concern about the contract or the financing. The prevailing question was never about the total cost. Instead, it was always, Hey, Steve, what will my monthly payment be? They didn't want to be bothered to actually read or understand the damn contract. They just wanted what they perceived to be the benefit once they signed the contract. One day I sold 14 pieces of property at one time. There were so many people who wanted to purchase property from me that I passed out blank contracts, stood on the trunk of my car, and shouted out instructions on how to fill in the blanks. The purchasers all gathered around as if it was a concert in a park. In the first blank, put today's date. It was insane, but I could not stop the frenzied action. If I had not done it that way, it was very possible that I could have been physically injured. People would get in such a tizzy if they couldn't sign the contract as quickly as possible. It was frightening at times. One day, two people wanted to buy the same piece of property. One person made the decision to buy it first, and the other said he was going to kill me with the gun in the back window of his truck. 
I decided it'd be a good time to leave, so I calmly walked to the car, jumped in, and turned the ignition. Trust me, whir, whir, whir is not the kind of sound you want to hear at a moment like this. The battery was dead, and I didn't want to be. So what did I learn from my experience? Well, I learned people don't like to see snakes when they are out walking in the country, and they aren't interested in understanding consumer credit transactions. Inevitably, if a problem ever arose after the transaction took place, the perception was always that the purchaser was the victim, even when the terms were clearly spelled out in the contract that they refused to read. The same is true for almost all consumer credit transactions. People don't read the agreements they sign, and if they do, they will not or do not ask questions. Even if they do ask a question and are a little troubled by the answer, the vast majority of people will sign the agreement anyway, as long as they get what they want when they sign. To develop a foundation for internal prosperity and external wealth, you cannot sit idly by and watch your life pass before you. You have to participate. Otherwise, you get what's left over. You might summon up the courage to assume responsibility for your life, and while you're at it, you'll avoid getting hit in the head. The thought of looking inward, focusing on building internal prosperity, the inner disposition traits, and the skills necessary to make you happy is an uncomfortable thought for many people. How fortunate you are that you're willing to find a way not only to have enough money to make you wealthy, but also to pursue the admirable goal of finding your path to a rich and rewarding emotional, spiritual, and financial life. This book will help you find the answers you're looking for. And yes, it is possible to make enough money to be happy. And yes, you can be proud of yourself, your life, and your accomplishments. And yes, there is a better way. The constant pursuit of something always leaves you pursuing and never arriving. The majority of people I have helped have spent their lives chasing a dream of wealth and ended up with the opposite of wealth, massive debt and lost opportunity. They slave at jobs they don't like and hope for a little life of luxury and happiness that will be brought about by more money. If I only could work harder, if only my spouse would leave me alone so I could focus. Kids, shut up! It's been a shallow, sad, and empty dream. It's a dream created by the perception or belief that life would be better with more money. That's not real. For some people, more money is definitely a blessing. But would it bring them closer to living the dream of being rich? What about lottery winners who blow through their good fortune? I saw one couple as clients who won big amounts on the lottery scratch-off cards, only to blow through it and leave them worse off than ever. Money alone clearly was not the secret to their happiness. Their lottery winnings became a big burden for them. They now had a string of moochers at the door, a bunch of stuff they had to take care of, like homes, cars, and boats. Another thing they never anticipated was they had even fewer skills when they went to re-enter the job market later because they had blown through all their money. Money made them wealthy, but not wise. Not knowing how to handle it made them ultimately less satisfied with life. Working with people like the big lottery winners made me think a lot about money and happiness and how they fit together. The information in this book was gathered in part through my own experience and from working with so many people with financial problems. 
It's frustrating to see people suffering and not many folks available who understand why. When I share my message with financial professionals, attorneys, social workers, therapists, and others, I can see the light bulb go on and they usually say, Steve, people need to know what you know. I haven't met anyone else who has the puzzle together like you do. You've really got answers. Over the years, I've read so much written by other financial pundits and interviewed many of them on my radio show, and now I'm convinced that while they may understand the technical side of money issues, they don't understand the emotional side. They get it wrong almost every time because they don't understand that money problems are not about the money. And that makes it hard for them to point people back to the path of happiness and wealth. It's kind of like sitting in the bleachers with me way back then. Think of your financial issues as that rocket ball that launched off the bat. You see the problem coming, but you don't know what to do. Swack! Straight to the head. And out of the stands you go, face first into the dirt. There's a better way. I wrote this book to introduce the principles I've learned over the years to help you create a better relationship with money and make you happier and more satisfied with your life. It will keep you in the stands and you might even get box seats. Hey, did, did someone just say hot dogs? What can you teach yourself? Well, there's no reason why you can't use your own past experience to help you excel in the future. Rather than run from the time that you made a mistake, relive them to extract the essence of wisdom and maybe give yourself a good laugh. The ability to laugh at ourselves is important to lightening our heavy load in life. Don't take yourself so seriously. Relax. If you're having trouble relaxing, here are a couple of quick relaxation exercises. Here are my eight cheap and easy steps for stressed out people who can't relax. One, sit up straight with your hands in your lap. Two, focus on relaxing your shoulders. Feel them droop. Three, focus on relaxing your legs and your back. Feel them getting less tense. Four, focus on breathing slower. Feel your breathing slow down. Five, Close your eyes. Six. Count your breaths. Breathe in. Ten. Breathe out. Nine. Breathe in. Eight. You get the idea. Count your breaths this way until you get to one. Count your breaths in groups of ten. When you get to one, start over again. Just focus on counting your breaths. Step seven. As thoughts pop into your head, acknowledge that you had the thought and let it go. Just focus on counting your breaths. Number eight, as you sit and relax, try not to acknowledge any stimulation. Try not to move. Try not to open your eyes. Try not to do anything else. Just live in the moment. Stop whenever you want. Here's my four-step emergency. I can't take it anymore. I'm going to explode right now. Relaxation exercise. One, Slowly count to five in your head and breathe in the entire time. Two, slowly count to five in your head and hold your breath the entire time. Three, slowly count to five in your head and breathe out the entire time. Four, repeat as needed. This is Steve Rode, your get out of deck guy. That was 
Chapter 1 of my book, The Path to Happiness and Wealth. Thank you for joining me today. Please be sure to visit me at my website, getoutofdebt.org. We'll listen to Chapter 2 in the near future. Bye-bye.